Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. not the craziest offseason in NFL history. Last week on the show, we ran through all the big moves like Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, thinking the best was behind us. But no, the pandemonium was only beginning and we will talk about all of it from Tyreek Hill to Devontae Adams to Deshaun Watson and more all right here on the Breakout Football Podcast on the Believe Network, sponsored by Link Me. I'm Zach Cohen of the Draft Network, alongside the exquisite Cole Topham of Chargers Wire. We have a lot of fantasy to football to talk about, my man, because we recorded last week's episode, and then bam, Deshaun Watson gets traded. Then bam, Devontae Adams gets traded. In fact, here are all the big moves that have happened since last episode. So let me know if I'm missing any. Started with Deshaun Watson and Devontae Adams getting traded. Then you have the Matt Ryan trade. Tyreek Hill was traded yesterday. Robert Woods was traded. Marcus Mariota, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, Jamison Crowder, all new teams. Allen Robinson, Juju Smith-Schuster got new teams. So did Gerald Everett. Well, Collins can't start him in fantasy, but there's a fantasy impact there. Uh, Leonard Fournette, Cordero Patterson re-signed. Am I missing any? Did I hit all the big ones? Oh yeah, that that guy named Tyreek Hill that got moved to the to the Dolphins too. Yeah, huge. I unreal. So why don't we start with that then? Because I planned on being very productive. I was gonna. I woke up early. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna get some work done today. So naturally, the next two and a half hours of my existence were consumed on the internet, waiting for this Tyreek Hill news to drop. And when it finally did. I can tell you right now, Dolph fans everywhere were sent into a frenzy. So were Jets fans. Let's give them credit, but for a completely different reason. I, I still can't, like, fathom that it's real, that Tyreek Hill is a Miami Dolphin. Like, all of a sudden, and this has been yeah. brewing apparently behind the scenes for quite some time, but then, bang, Tyreek Hill, no longer on the Chiefs. So, naturally... The on-field football impact is massive. But what does that mean from a fantasy standpoint? There are quite a few tentacles to this whole monster of a situation here. So why don't you touch on it first? Tyree mm-hmm. Kill to the Dolphins. What does that do for p- people trying to play fantasy football with Tyree Kill on their rosters next season? Well, obviously, like everyone, the research that's going on right now is like, what, what are the projected target share? Um, going to be between him and Jalen Waddle because I think many saw Jalen Waddle as kind of like Tyreek Hill 2.0 as like the the person that closely matches that that comparison at least in the NFL draft process and you know I, I don't think the Dolphins have quite used um, Jalen Waddle in the same way that the Chiefs use Tyreek Hill and so I think it's it's we were expecting a significant jump from Jalen Waddle in in year two and I think Tyree Kill will facilitate that jump and pairing two players that have, you know, very close skill sets that um, Tyree Kill can kind of, you know, mentor Waddle, I think is, is massive for that receiving core. And especially since, you know, Tua, basically the Dolphins are surrounding Tua with everything he needs to be successful. And, and you should definitely view t- this year as like Tua's prove it year. And I think, you know, Tua is, is, is really going to have to facilitate some of that production, right? 
Um, did they view Tyreek Hill as as like a as a one as a true wide receiver one on that roster, or did they kind of view them as you know what in what ways can we scheme our two playmakers in order to just get you know the best guy for the for the best route open? So I think that's that's going to be something to track over the offseason is is what they view these receivers as. And again, everyone on the Dolphins on the field is the winner from this. Having one of the most electric football players of all time is going to make your on-field product better. But from a fantasy standpoint, Jalen Waddle's ADP right now in Dynasty, courtesy of Ryan McDowell, who was a guest on our show, was wide receiver seven. That's almost assuredly going to drop now that Tyreek Hill is in town. It also kind of puts a little hit on Mike Gesicki. Maybe you draft him as like a borderline tight end. Well, not you, since you just don't touch tight ends ever. Uh, <laughs> Chase Edmonds, where he mostered, like they'll probably lose some touches, even though combined, that speed is insane. The real big benefactor of this, both on the field, and in fantasy, is the jersey right behind me, Tua Tungavailoa. He is primed to be the breakout quarterback this season. Heck, I don't even know if you can quantify him as a breakout, considering where his ADP will probably skyrocket to, both now and for drafts at the end of the summer. So is Tua going to be that quarterback that everyone wants to wait for, or is the hype just going to boost that stock too high and we're going to be looking for someone else to hopefully target late in drafts. I mean, Tua is always going to be uh, a matter of split decision, right? You're going to have half the population that thinks, you know, he's actually this great quarterback that needs proper development, the proper playmakers and this off season, that's what the dolphins are like the proper infrastructure in this off season. That's what the dolphins did in order to, you know, facilitate that success. On the other hand, you have another significant portion of the population that just think he sucks no matter what the <laughs> dolphins do and no matter, you know, anything he does in order to better his play. Right. So um, I think in the fantasy population, you're, you know, your league is going to reflect that split. I don't think everyone in your league is going to be, um, just yearning to to draft Tua at, at value or or even reach for him, I think you're going to have those people that believe in him and those people that are just going to stay far away and select other mm-hmm. quarterbacks. So I think that'll that'll definitely benefit um, you and your draft. And something we just don't talk about enough on this show is how each league is different, right? And each league has its own yep. eco- ecosystem, um, the, the same different atmosphere, attitudes towards players. So definitely read your league in in your decision if you want to draft Tua. And obviously we're going to see where his ADP is a few months from now, but all those factors will go into, mm. you know, whether you, you believe like to it into his breakout and whether it justifies right. his ADP. And the crazy part is even if Tua doesn't make that next step as a quarterback, it may not matter too much from a fantasy perspective, because if, are there any two players that aren't more perfect for Tua right now. I, I get all the, the deep ball malarkey, and mm-hmm. I don't know why I said malarkey. It's probably the no, first no, it's, second it's time I've term. ever said it. Yeah, sure. Well, I guess I'll roll with it. Um, if But sure, most accurate down the field, not Tua. Strongest arm, not Tua. But if you are saying to your quarterback, look, you can't hit him, just hit him short, the best players to have that are the fastest ones. And Tua has three of them in Tyreek Hill, Raheem Mostert, 
and Jalen Waddle. So even if Tua doesn't make that next step as a passer, what's to say he still leads the league in pass yards because 90% of them are just rack inflated. The run after the catch potential here is insane, and it could be enough to still make Tua a top fantasy quarterback regardless of his play. So obviously the question about Tua as a franchise quarterback still very much up in the air but from a fantasy standpoint he seems pretty set to be immune to horrendous quarterback play that can then translate to bad fantasy production I really want to on my teams of course it depends on ADP and throughout the offseason we'll of course touch back on rankings and ADPs and seeing what other type of quarterbacks are also being drafted where Speaking of quarterbacks, maybe like two hours after we finished recording last week's episode, the nail in the coffin of the Deshaun Watson Houston saga was hit pretty emphatically. It looked like he was going to the Falcons Mm -hmm. and like, nope, Sykes, Sonny Weaver Jr. pulls out his move of all moves to bring Deshaun Watson to Cleveland. What's the fantasy implication there? You know, I kind of, what I said on the show last week that no matter what destination Deshaun Watson arrived at, he'd be, you know, top seven quarterback in, in your draft. And I think that's very true in Cleveland, no matter all the shortcomings that organization has befallen the organization over the last, you know, few decades that it's still it, Deshaun Watson is that player and, and his talent is, is that player. And he elevates the players around him. And especially since before that, Cleveland had invested in their offense in acquiring Amari Cooper and providing him a, a true number one target, something Watson didn't have in, in his, uh, in his season with, with, in his last season with the Texans, right. Where he still, you know, led the league in passing touchdowns or is it no led the league in passing yards. Yeah. So yeah. Led the league in passing yards. Amari Cooper, one of the best route runners in the game. You just you have that quarterback wide receiver pairing that is going to make him immediately comfortable in Cleveland. Um, and that's and that's why I'm I'm sure the, the Browns are going to only continue to add through their offense through the draft. Obviously, a stacked wide receiver class. There's been some rumblings about you know the in-state talent and Garrett Wilson kind of being projected to them, which I think would be a great fit. Wilson under Cooper, you know, you got that route running mentorship. And, and just overall just two explosive playmakers to, mm-hmm. to add to Deshaun Watson's arsenal. So I, I like the move in turn in terms of like a fantasy fantasy perspective. I think Watson should have no problem, you know, getting off the ground in Cleveland. Let me ask you this then, because it seems like the forgotten man in all this. Yes, Amari Cooper stock through the roof. Sure. Yes. Deshaun Watson still a bona fide quarterback one. It seems like not many people are talking about the hit that Nick Chubb and even Kareem Hunt take with this because this has been one of the more run-heavy football teams in the past recent years. Now, all of a sudden, you get a real quarterback in. No disrespect to Baker Mayfield, but at the same time, total disrespect to Baker Mayfield. (laughs) Sean Watson changes this offense in ways that Cleveland has never seen. They have never had a quarterback like this. I wouldn't even put the old Cleveland Browns franchise on this type of level. Sorry, Bernie Kosar, but Deshaun Watson is just a legit franchise quarterback. And what that does to your running backs, it tends to take the ball away from them a little bit. Not saying Chubb and Hunt will play poorly or they won't be relevant in fantasy, but what can we expect from those guys, most notably Chubb, considering Chubb 
has tended to be a borderline RB1 when healthy. Yeah, I personally, I think it kind of drops Chubb out of the top five, just mostly because, you know, like Stefanski would be holding his offense back by not allowing Deshaun Watson to cook a little bit. Um, mm. I, I don't think I'm out of you know pocket for saying that, but for the all the bell cows in the in the in the in the NFL right now, you would want somebody that is potentially getting the ball, you know, three carries in a row, is able to to move the chains consistently, not not get, get disrupted out of their their running flow, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's just going to happen a lot in Cleveland. Like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are are great players, are great ball carriers, but you know Deshaun Watson and the opportunity to create explosive plays and drive the ball downfield, that potential is just higher in the passing game now in Cleveland. So I think it boosts Kareem Hunt's stock a little bit. You know, as a as a PPR option, he's going to be like the he's he's been the receiving back in that offense for you know three years now. So I think it elevates him a little bit just because he'll see more targets in that in that aspect as Cleveland throws the balls the ball more. But yeah, for Chubb takes a significant hit for me. Um, not enough to to drop him, you know, two two down significantly, but he's definitely not going to be receiving the same type of workload um, I, that he, you know, has received since he was drafted. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if I would even touch him in the first two rounds. I'm sure someone would take a chance on Chubb in the second round, but for those early spots if you're looking for a player and it's preferably a running back in my case you want someone who's consistently a threat to touch the ball Nick Chubb probably isn't that anymore especially with that point you just made that Kareem Hunt is a better pass catcher Chubb's a good pass catcher he just that's not really his type of role in Cleveland so that Deshaun Watson trade definitely changes the dynamics in Cleveland uh David Njoku Harrison Bryant we, we got any quick thoughts on there before we move on to the other big trade anything I mean ever? I'm just surprised David Njoku is still on the roster to be honest yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Austin Hooper deal should never have happened but even then the fact David Njoku is toughed it out in Cleveland props to him I don't think either of us are going to touch him and neither should you our beloved listener yeah, probably not. And uh, I can't remember a single tight end that really flourished under Watson in Houston either. So, mm. I mean, unless we see like some outlier results out of Njoku for the for like the first three or four weeks of the season, then, you know, I'm, I'm kind of hands off in that that aspect. I feel you. I definitely wouldn't be surprised if I end up with a couple Harrison Bryant shares in best ball. But other than that, that's really all she wrote for our Cleveland fantasy segment. The other big trade. Almost seemingly out of nowhere. We had a little bit of inkling. And ironically, last week, and I tweeted the clip too, when we were talking about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, well, he brought up Devontae Adams. And you go, well, that's even if he's going to it's play. It's almost like we knew something, Zach. Yeah, it's as <laughs> if I thought I knew something else. I thought he was just going to hold out to the last possible second, basically pull in Aaron Rodgers and then come back. Not quite... Not quite. Devontae Adams is a Las Vegas Raider reunited with Derek Carr. How does that impact Adams' fantasy stock? And I guess, how does that help Derek Carr as well? Well, I think I'm a little bit more tentative of Adams Mm. as like the bona fide wide receiver one for fantasy this season. Mostly just because, I mean, he hasn't played with another quarterback since he entered the NFL right? There's going to be some sort of adjustment period, even though they did play in college together. I still think, I mean, both players have matured in the aspects of the game, right? And so there's going to be some sort of a period where they need to, you know, reconnect, reestablish that chemistry. Um, and I, I don't know how long that period is going to take, you know, obviously you'd expect 
two of you know the top players in their in their craft Adams a little bit more so to be able to figure it out but at this point like I I, I just don't know I'm, I'm skeptical of, of this of this connection I do think mm. the Raiders were a good landing spot for Adams just because of that that prior connection and um, I think you know the offense is really going to use him in the same way Green, B, Green Bay did as a, as a focal pass catcher, right? As, as somebody that is really going to, you know, command a large target share in that offense. So I, I like Adams potential as, you know, same top five, top three wide receiver. Um, I'm just skeptical of the wide receiver one ranking at this, at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Really makes you think like, is it Cooper cup and Jamar chases spots to lose? Like it's those seem like the top two wide receivers just based on potential target share and production. Cause you are right. We do not know how Adams factors into this Raiders offense. We could say we do, but Josh McDaniels could be completely rewriting the whole offensive system. That's not even to say what that'll relegate Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller to who also take a hit in this offense. Of course, there's still the possibility Vegas becomes one of the top passing teams in the league and they're slinging the ball like crazy, which could mitigate any potential drop in target share, as we would expect from Renfro or Waller. Obviously, that would hurt Josh Jacobs. So it seems like no matter what, one of those three Raiders is going (laughs) to have to give up a significant amount of fantasy production in lieu of Devontae Adams. What that does for the quarterback, though, like with Tool in Miami, Derek Carr, is he a quarterback one? Are we prepared to make that jump? Where are you thinking you might have him next year in your rankings or big boards? Yeah, I think I'd have him as a quarterback one. I, st- I still think the Raiders need a little bit more depth behind their their pass catchers because I am I'm worried for Carr um, when we get in a, in a similar situation like last year. You know, Adams maybe gets banged up a little bit. Waller goes down with an injury. Um, Josh Jacobs, you know, is, is held out um, of, of a game for, for some, some injury he sustained on, on, on a run. I'm worried for Carr. What happens if, if these playmakers start, start dropping because last year, you know, it, it kind of seemed like, you know, Carr really had to be the glue that held everything together. Right. And held the offense together and, and really had to, to dig deep in order to make his playmakers work. And so I, I think, the Raiders did well by bringing in Adams, you know, providing that one of the best receiving weapons in the game, but they still need to add on to that depth in order to, to add a little bit more security for Carr. But to answer your question, I, yes, I do think we'll be drafting as, you know, Carr's quarterback one this season. And just because like that, that quarterback wide receiver pairing is, is so significant and has yielded such di- dividends in green Bay for so long. Mm-hmm. All right. Fair enough. I, I feel like a, a solid quarterback tandem would be like Derek Carr and Tua. You got a guy who's pretty solid and then a guy with some upside. Obviously, Carr has upside as well, but I would argue Tua probably has more just based on youth and career trajectory. Another quarterback. Let's talk about another quarterback and the impact he brings to his team here on the Breakout Football Podcast sponsored by Link Me. That's L-I-N-K-M-E, one of the fastest growing social media apps in the world, not just in this beautiful country, but in the world, it's also a link sharing app. You can have all of your content on one page, immediately scan it, 
off someone else's phone and bam, you have access to everything they produce, everything about them, or at least as much as you want to give. Of course, that's link me, L-I-N-K-M-E. I'm not, not to like pat myself on the back here, but that that's not written. Like that was just completely off the top of my head. So shout out <laughs> to link. You've me. got the, the, the slogan or, or whatever the, the read up down. Like you, you, you just are a good salesman. Mm-hmm. I think the best person who I've ever seen do ad reads just so flawlessly was Katie Nolan on her sports podcast, mm. which was called sports with a question mark. She would just <laughs> do it like so seamlessly. And I, I try to take influence from that, but we try to do our best here on BFP. So let's keep talking though about Matt Ryan. It's weird because at one point, not fantasy related, but it seems like, it's so weird that Matt Ryan's a Colt, but at the same time, it just seems so right that he's a Colt. He just gives me Colt vibes. Maybe it's because they went down the Philip Rivers path a couple of years ago, uh, but arguably, at least in my opinion, Matt Ryan is the best quarterback they've had since Andrew Luck. Not great, not what he once was for sure, but he can elevate a team that was one good quarterback performance away from making the playoffs last season. So I ask you, my good friend, Cole Topham of Chargers Wire, Matt Ryan in fantasy, who's the big winner here? Uh, I mean, I think I think Matt Ryan is definitely a big winner. And I think we will be drafting Matt Ryan as one of those like later round steals at quarterback. I mean, I remember I got Aaron Rodgers in the 12th round, you know, two years ago, wow. um, something, something like that, where – uh, his value is really down this offseason. He got traded, new scenery. He has to adjust to a new offense. And I think there's there's potential for Matt Ryan to, like you said, like the Colts are such a dangerous team. They just seem like a quarterback away from really putting it all together. I think Matt Ryan can be that guy that puts it all together, you know, gets the Colts over the hump, really establish themselves as a as a top contender in the AFC. And that's gonna come on the heels of of good, you know, offensive decision-making um, performance in the clutch. Uh, Matt Ryan's always, always been, you know, a, a game manager at, at quarterback and, and, you know, knows how to, how to spread the ball around. So I think there's, there's weapons for him there and we're going to see, you know, Matt Ryan, I don't know if we're going to draft him inside the, inside the top 10, but could definitely be a nice value in the later rounds at quarterback. If mm-hmm. you really want to wait on it and load up on other positions. 100%. So the winner is you, um, fantasy yeah. manager if you are in that in that realm of, of a quarterback you know mentality in the in the draft Matt Ryan is a spicy option for you outside of outside of round 10. Nice a little pat on the back there that's good I feel like a lot of people should be talking more about Michael Pittman too because it seems like and I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not trying to like pinpoint pin down like Matt Ryan as just a deep field thrower that's so not what he is but he can do it pretty darn well and he's had a lot of a lot a lot of experience thrown down the field in recent years. And Michael Pittman, man, big body receiver who mm-hmm. can win inside as well. It seems like Pittman, if anything, is the biggest winner here from a fantasy football standpoint. Don't think it impacts Jonathan Taylor much. I'd still probably take him first, although I would hopefully not have a top two or three pick in my fantasy drafts. Just putting mm-hmm. that out there now. Um, other than that, that obviously oh, talks too. they they, um, oh, they brought him right. back, so another big body oh. target that Ryan can throw to. It's just a, a lot of length and height in this offense that hopefully will will ease in aging Matt Ryan's you know accuracy issues. I will 100% have 
a few Mo Alleycox best ball shares. I always do. There's always like three games a year where he just like pops off and I reap the benefits of it every time. I love best ball. If you don't play best ball, please just Google Zach Cohen best ball because I have my whole best ball series, <laughs> my whole best ball article. It is so much better than normal fantasy football, which is redraft. So much better. Best ball is king. I love it. I love it. Um, That obviously leaves. The other situation that Matt Ryan is leaving in Atlanta, they brought in Marcus Mariota. I like that. That's a solid band-aid until they get their quarterback of the future. Could that be Mariota? I'm doubtful. I'm pretty doubtful that's the case, but he's not bad, especially since he has uh, chemistry and he has worked with Arthur Smith uh, back in Tennessee. So how do we feel about just all the Falcons at this point? Marcus Mariota, whatever running back they bring in, Cordero Patterson, Kyle Pitts, heck, maybe even Olamide Zacchaeus, which means everyone's going to have to try to get his name down right until the Falcons add at least three more receivers. So what's your, what is the Cole Topham Atlanta Falcons 2022 fantasy preview right now? My preview is that they're going to suck. Um <laughs> because <laughs> I think just the roster in general is suffering from a lack of talent and I'm happy for Mariota like really I, I truly am because I think he he finally deserves his second shot as a starting quarterback he he took a backseat role for the last few years since he was ousted from from Tennessee and he finally lands in a situation where you know he is going to be like uh, if he can lock down the starting job he he will be you know the main guy for that offense with that being said these just these these weapons are not good <laughs> they're unproven um and obviously russell gage the really only person that and i guess cordell patterson too you have you you have your you, you know your plug and play wherever um gadget player that you retain from last season and, and it seems like he's happy about being back in atlanta so um that is one area of offensive con- continuity that you that you maintain with that you know with that being said no calvin ridley um and your top receivers are what Alameda Zacchaeus and, and Frank Darby. Um, and that's nothing against Frank Darby because that's Arizona state alum right there. But I don't think Darby, you know, really saw significant playing time, you know, in, in last season, in his rookie season. Right. So I, I don't know if they're going to bolster it in the draft, if they're just going to say this is the roster and, and uh, you know, we're just going to see and let it, let it ride <laughs> as, as Russell Wilson would say in, in Denver, but I'm not optimistic about the potential of this, of this offense. It is interesting because at this point last year, we were saying the same thing about Detroit. And then they went out and signed like a Josh Reynolds. They drafted a Monroe St. Brown, who was the sun God toward the end of the season. So it feels like we're starting to get toward that type of territory. Of course, Atlanta does have better weapons than Cordero Patterson and my guy, you had your Arizona State alum in Frank Darby. I got my Florida alum in Kyle Pitts. Are we knocking Pitts down too much? Like, what's oh, yeah, his? Yeah, I completely forgot about Kyle Pitts. Yeah, he's there. <laughs> he he he's just a guy. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I I would still imagine he's a top five tight end in fantasy drafts. I mean, look what he did last year without with he scored like what once. He wasn't even like mm-hmm. fully unleashed. Now we might be getting even more targets, not just as a tight end, but as a receiver. We still view this guy as a top five tight end, right? Yeah, I mean, you've got to. That's just the potential of Pitts. Just mm-hmm. one of the one of the freaks at the tight end position that we've seen come out of the draft in the last few years. And obviously, like, yeah, he had the best rookie season for a tight end in NFL history. And it's it, it's crazy because it just didn't feel like it, you know. Like it, when you look at the stats, you're like, oh yeah, that's that's super impressive for a rookie, especially considering you know the amount of time 
the position typically takes to get adjusted to like the NFL speed and get integrated in the offense and really become, you know, a, a true offensive playmaker. Um, so I, I think the acceleration of, of pits will definitely, um, we'll definitely see it this season um, in terms of, you know, target share, um, command of the offense, the Falcons just making it a point to, to get him the ball this season. And uh, they're going to need to, because Kyle Pitts is going to be the reason why they're going to win games. Kyle Pitts breakout in season two. I am so here for that. Uh, some other moves that happened kind of touched on them at the beginning of the show. Robert Woods was traded. Any big impact. We don't have to spend an hour on Robert Woods. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Anything there? Any impact on anyone? Not really. I mean, I, I still think A.J. Brown will retain a large, you know, his his role in the offense. But I think it's interesting because I think Robert Woods is kind of like a it's like a smaller AJ Brown, you know, obviously he's, he's like good yards after catch um, can take a hit. So I, I think it's interesting. Robert Woods is, is just one of those dependable NFL players that continuously slips through the cracks, goes under the radar. And I, I think for what they, they gave up a, a six round pick for him. Like, I, I think that's a, that's a steal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a future sixth round pick. So yeah, I think he'll be like fine for what the offense really needs. They need a reliable wide receiver too. But in fantasy, I'm not touching him. Like, I don't think there's yep. room for a second wide receiver to ball out there. Like I said that when they traded for Julio, like it's a one wide receiver type of offense. AJ Brown's going to continue to feast. I'm not knocking his value at all. Maybe I bump up Ryan Tannehill like a spot or two. But at the end of the day, no impact for me from the Titans. Other receivers to be moved. Moving though, Juju Smith-Schuster and recently Marcus Valdez-Scantling, so JSS and MVS, to the Chiefs, which on the surface looks pretty nice. We both said like, hey, Juju, or at least I know I said Juju to the Chiefs on the episode we did with Jennifer Eakins a few weeks ago. I would love to see Juju go to the Chiefs finally. I think mm-hmm. it's a great spot to be a wide receiver too, technically wide receiver three behind Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, a good spot for him to get back in the groove and maybe just be like a, a change of possession or a possession type of receiver in a pass heavy offense. Now Juju looks like he is the receiver in Kansas City. So how are we feeling about that whole offense? Mahomes, Clyde, Juju, MVS, Kelsey, what's the Cole Topham Kansas City outlook? Uh, I'm not going to say skeptical because I still think Patrick Mahomes is still going to do Patrick Mahomes things. But obviously, like, you trade away one of the receivers that has defined, like, the last half decade decade of the NFL. Mm -hmm. And you bring in, you know, like, Juju, who I think is a quality slot guy, but definitely lacking in the talents that made, you know, the Chiefs so explosive when they employed Tyreek Hill in their offense, right? Mm-hmm. I think the best thing about Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes is those two seemed to be always on the same page no matter what happened up front. And there was always the potential for them to turn off-script plays into, you know, touchdowns, into points. I'm not sure I see that same type of connection forming with Juju and, and, and Mahomes because I, I, I just don't think like Juju has, has never really had that, you know, takeover potential for the offense where, right. um, you know, Ben Roethlisberger was like, okay, I'm looking 
I'm looking for you, Juju, on this drive and, and nobody else. We're going to, you know, drive and, and get the points and, and get the field goal to win the game. Like I, I just never saw Juju as that as that possession type receiver. I don't know if he'll be there in, in Kansas City. Same with MVS. I thought MVS had some flashes in, in Green Bay. I thought you know, he had the potential to develop into, you know, one of the league's premier deep threats. Outside of that skill set, I don't really see him, you know, factoring too much into this offense other than like a, a field stretcher. And, and maybe MVS proves me wrong. Maybe he turns into the receiver we never saw in Green Bay. But I think with Aaron Rodgers throwing on the ball and Aaron Rodgers working with you at practice every single day, you'd expect a little bit more development in those aspects playing mm-hmm. with one of the, the league's, you know, top quarterbacks, if not the top quarterback. Right. At the end of the day, you got to bet on talents. If they have it, great. Take them. If they don't, probably not the guys. And I love how you incorporate that into all of your analysis because we can look at the numbers. We can look at the potential situation. But if you feel like this one player is much better than he is currently being slotted a draft as or vice versa, like that, that should be the overlying arc of your fantasy decision. I can think of multiple instances in my career where I've done that. Michael Thomas coming out, Chris Godwin coming out, Jordan Howard coming out before he was kind of, you know, kicked to the curb multiple times. I'm sure you think the same exact way. So you have to bet on talent. Players like Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Super talented, still top options. I'm honestly, I could be convinced to put Travis Kelsey as my new tight end one. I've been saying all offseason, it's Mark Andrews' time to shine now. It's his position group. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Kelsey might have found a way to claw back up top with all the targets he may potentially see. Of course, we'll still need to see who Kansas City brings in. I would assume now that they have 12 picks, the most among all teams in the draft, they will add a receiver or two. Same with the Packers. They lost MVS. They lost Devontae Adams. The receivers that go to these teams are going to be in prime situations in fantasy. Those will be my top two targets in all fantasy drafts. Um, Other than that, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, rumored to bring in Ronald Jones. like. I don't think I was going to touch him regardless. Probably yeah. not going to touch him now. So safe to say CEH's time has come to an end, at least on my wish list. I'm sure you could say the same for him as well. Uh, what else? So Chiefs, we got the Chiefs out of the way. Jamison Crowder to the Bills. Allen Robinson to the Rams. Any fantasy implications of note you want to talk about there? I'm not... I could definitely make a case for taking Crowder or Robinson like later in drafts. I don't think they're going to take away from anyone who's currently there. Like Van Jefferson rip. I'm sorry, my boy, but like, I'm probably not taking you anymore. Uh, I don't think Crowder's going to eat too much into Gabe Davis's time, but at the same time, Crowder's a bit more of a proven slot receiver. So I think I would rather have Jamison Crowder than Allen Robinson. What do you think? Mm, I don't know. I I think I'd say the opposite. Mostly. I've always viewed Allen Robinson as, as like one of those, you know, receivers that if he just had the better situation, the better quarterback, you know, throwing him the ball, he'd be this X receiver. Rams offense is going to spread the ball around. Cooper Cup is the main option there. And, you know, who knows if they're going to bring back Odell Beckham or not. But I think there's definitely opportunity for Robinson in this offense. He's hungry. He signed a one. No, he didn't sign a one year deal. He signed a three year deal. So he's there to stay. And he's got Stafford throwing the ball. And, I think, you know, Stafford didn't really have a type of, you know, receiver of, of Robin's caliber, you know, last, last season, I, I feel like, like he had a bunch of 
of route runners. He didn't have a bunch of possession receivers. I think Robinson could be a possession receiver in this offense. I don't think it's going to take away too much from, you know, Cooper Cup's slot looks, but I think, you know, McVay, he, he could get creative with this offense and, and, you know, really playing with the boundary more than he has, you know, in previous seasons. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Like it, it really just kind of depends about how they're going to use him because it seems like that Allen Robinson is slotting into the Odell Beckham role in LA, which was pretty nice from a fantasy standpoint once Odell acclimated to his new threads. So I can definitely make the case for Robinson. I just think Crowder could be in a better position to see a more consistent target share if he does mm-hmm. become like their de facto slot receiver replacing Cole Beasley kind of slept on was just how little Stefan Diggs was targeted last year compared to the year prior and let alone just his usage because Josh Allen one couldn't get the ball to Diggs because he was heavily covered more so this year than in last last season and two he just learned how to spread the ball out a little bit more that was a big reason why Buffalo found success toward the end of the season it's a big reason why Josh Allen got hot learned to move the ball across the field. That's where the Gabe Davis breakout came in. We saw a little bit of it from Dawson Knox. I think it's possible Jamison Crowder gets in on that next season. I think we both know how I feel about the Bills going into Mm -hmm. 2022. They are maybe the team to beat in what is a loaded AFC, which is kind of a surprising thing for me to say right now. Um, But aside from that, Rams, A-Rob, the bounce back could be there. I could definitely see it. But at the end of the day, I'm not over the moon about taking him either uh the three other moves i have written down here gerald everett chargers anything at all you're the chargers guy what do what we anything like fantasy tight ends you hate tight ends yeah i mean yeah it's great i guess you know i i mean jared cook he had some flashes last season but nothing like overwhelming for you to just like go out on the waiver wire and spend a significant you know fab on him so I, I don't know. We'll just have to see I, if the Chargers draft a receiver in this year's draft, uh, maybe in the first round, somebody like Jamison Williams, they get speed, they get separation in the slot. I think I would like that option a lot more than the tight end. But I mean, I expect them to add to their offense in one way or another. And I think whoever they add is going to be a significantly better option than ever it will be. Yeah, definitely. It's a, one of those things where not opportunity doesn't always equate to production. I was a big Jared Cook proponent last year. Um, Didn't really follow through in most parts. I think, honestly, Everett just isn't as good of a fit as Cook was, even though Everett is clearly the younger, more agile player. They could move him around a little bit more. He can even line up in the H-back role. What that translates to fantasy, though, remains to be seen, considering, like you just said, all they got to do is add a shifty receiver, Jamison Williams, that offense would be pretty damn lethal. I don't think it will happen, but my goodness, that would be one of the best offenses I've ever seen. Uh, Leonard Fournette back to the Bucks seems pretty good. I thought he should have gone to the Bills. Going back to Tampa Bay with Tom Brady at the helm, I give thumbs up to that. What do you think? Yep. Yeah, I think it's solid. I think you know Fournette did enough to prove himself as like a you know a, a main piece of the Buccaneers moving forward. Who I mean, still. Uh, somehow retain all all or most of their offense. So I think there's some continuity for for Fournette. There's some security in that backfield. I mean, he's pretty much cemented himself as the number one guy there. And I think that's just been something he's looking for. Um, you know, after a you know rough few seasons where he he had a down year in Jacksonville and then then uh you know got got cut and Tampa Bay picked him up and he was in a timeshare with Rojo. So thank God that's over. He can uh he can finally you know 
take his place in the backfield and, and really just, uh, you know, just be the best running back that he can be. He's a sneaky RB two, Honestly, he, really he was, I think he was RB three overall last season. I think RB five in points per game too. Like he really came into his own. That is, I don't see any reason why that won't continue next season, especially if they bring back Gronk to help with the blocking on the outside, considering the players they just lost along the offensive front. Uh, speaking of offensive linemen, I'd be remiss if I didn't at least bring up the Lel Collins signing for Cincinnati, pairing him with Alex Kappa. We talked about last week on that offensive line, Joe Mixon, top five player in fantasy next season. Are we finally at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think it just impacts all the all the players, the impact players in, in the Bengals offense, right? It's going to help Joe Burrow, right, and give him a little bit more time in the pocket. It's going to open up lanes for Joe Mixon, uh, and it's going to benefit the pass catchers. So I think this is just – this is a move we wanted Cincinnati to make, you know, last year or two years ago, and, and they finally got it. Um, you know, thankfully it's a it's a blue-chip, you know, player in, in Leo Collins, and, yeah, I think it's a move that just benefits all facets of the offense. Joe Mixon, one of the biggest fantasy football winners from the offseason. Any others off the top of your head before we wrap it up? Any other guys that after going through two weeks worth of transactions, players who you are now saying, you know what? They suddenly look pretty good or better to me in fantasy football. Which guys stand out to you? Hmm. I mean, I was thinking of, of players that got worse. Okay. <laughs> so, Biggest losers. I mean, if you want to be negative, Cole, we try to be a positive <laughs> show, but go for it. I think Terry McLaurin was a popular, you know, pick last season for, for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just being the number one target possession receiver in that offense. And he had a lot of instability at quarterback that impacted his production. Uh, but they bring in Carson Wentz. I'm not really sure that will help stabilize his production all that much. Um, to be honest, if they draft somebody like if the commanders draft somebody like Drake London, I feel like I would like London maybe a little bit better than McLaurin in that offense, just based on, on Wentz's history with, with those types of receivers. Interesting. I definitely feel like there's been a lot of quarterbacks impacted for sure. I don't, I think I kind of want to go with the winner though, just cause that's where my mind was at. Like Joe Mixon, for sure. But man, Mm -hmm. Travis Kelsey is about a feast. And it's kind of weird to say that like a top fantasy football player was the biggest winner. But with the career trajectory of him either plateauing or arguably declining, suddenly it's it's looking better. Even if he falls off next season, which should happen considering he's in his early 30s already. I still think like... If you have Travis Kelsey in fancy football right now, you should probably be popping some champagne with how this offseason worked out. So any other players, things that stand out to you from a fantasy perspective here on the Breakout Football Podcast? I'm Zach Cohen. You're Cole Topham. So you give me an answer. I mean, maybe just because I was I was on this train last year at CeeDee Lamb. With, with the Cowboys, Amari Cooper's gone, and we thought he was going to, you know, really step into the wide receiver run, one role this season, kind of, like, disappeared down the stretch. You know, they, they brought back Michael Gallup, but he's still recovering from his ACL, so I think there's a lot of opportunity for C.D. Lamb to just really be the number one guy in Dallas this season, truly, um, when we were expecting that. You know, it's a, it's a year late, right? Yep. It's a year late. Sometimes you have to be a little bit more patient. Yeah, exactly. I I talked about how I felt Nick Chubb really felt his impacts uh, down at the beginning too, but 
I'm kind of with you on that for the opposite. C.D. Lamb, love what he could be doing. Michael Gallup, love what they could be doing. They brought in James Washington, whoop-de-frickin'-do. Don't think it's <laughs> going to change much about this offense. Um, and obviously, a lot is going to change based on the draft. And we will be talking about all of it right here on the Breakout Football Podcast. Sadly, we didn't get any breaking news. Um, I wouldn't even consider, yeah, nothing, not even a, not even a, my sports update tweet. So knowing our luck, we were going to hang this up. I'm going to get this up for the morning. And then suddenly bang, something big happened. Next player to get traded. Who knows? Saquon Barkley on the move anytime soon. DK Metcalf, Christian McCaffrey. Knowing our yeah, I don't luck, think we're done. We're not done. And I hope not. Cause it'll make next week's show that much more awesome. My man, Colt Topham. Find them everywhere on social media at ham analysis. If you want to hear my thoughts for some reason, I'm also on all social media <laughs> at Zach Cohen FB, including link me L A N K M E, our beloved sponsor. Feel free to leave a review or drop a rating at us on social media. Send us a pigeon, send us something, send us a rat with wings. Shout out the Batman. That was a really good movie. My oh, goodness. Great. I loved it. So good. And uh, the director just dropped a um, a deleted scene with the Batman and a certain someone. I don't want to spoil it, but it's okay. on YouTube. Five minutes long. So text me your thoughts on that. Uh, with that, this has been the Breakout Football Podcast. Thanks for bearing with us today in another loaded episode. Next week, we'll be back and better than ever. Cole, as always, the last words, my friend. Yeah, just stay locked in, everybody. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.